you know, a lot of people trust financial advisors, third parties, fund managers. What we discover in our research is really those folks are not aligned with your interest. So even for folks that are not interested in, in, in investing, as you said, you need to know something. On this episode of Early Bird, San and Ia Ng, the father-daughter duo behind the best-selling book, Ten Commandments of Investing. San and Ia join the podcast today to talk about the investing wizards that they researched for the book and some of the best advice that investors should follow. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Sania, thank you both so much for joining us today on the Early Bird Podcast. Welcome. Great to be here, Stephen. Thank you for having us. Um, I guess before we get started into the 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 book that both of you wrote, let's let me hear about a little bit about your biography. If if you could give me a good thirty second. Um, Reader's Digest biography of your backgrounds. I think that would be great. Sure. Ladies first. Hi, I'm Ia. I'm 18. I graduated high school um, a few months ago, and I am currently on a gap year. I'm learning about real estate um, because I'm really interested in financial literacy and financial independence, and next year I'll be attending the University of Chicago. Great. And I'm San, S-A-N, and I'm Ia's dad. I have a background in entrepreneurship, having started a number of ventures, uh, professional venture capital and private equity investor, and now running my own capital, uh, investing in different asset classes, though with a strong focus now in U.S. real estate assets. And certainly that's a very hot market right now, real estate. Um, The book that both of you have co-authored and it's a bestseller for both the wall street journal and usa today is the 10 commandments of investing came out this year before we talk about those 10 commandments of investing and go into them where did the idea for this book sort of originate sure yeah i'll take part a and then you take part b okay because it's mm-hmm. they're related so Stephen, um so I, I uh, as I mentioned, I, I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I worked many years as a professional investor. Uh, and so I was working almost 20 years out of Shanghai with my own venture capital and private equity funds. And I have a brother, uh, Edmund, who was CEO uh, of a Hong Kong listed investment bank. So we had the privilege to work with a number of amazing uh, investors we call investment wizards. And he and I do, uh, do a lot of reading. We do a lot of research for the folks that we don't have access to. We, we, we study them. And over the course of about 10 years, we put together a book or at least a manuscript uh, 
that we call the Investor's Bible. And this is akin to Cliff Notes for Buffett, Cliff Notes for Dalio, for Kathy Xi from China, all the people that we respect uh, as investors or work with. And um, prior to COVID, we found a publisher who, 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 who liked it and was going to publish the Bible, the Investor's Bible. Uh, COVID hit, it was stalled, and then uh, you, you, you was stuck at home with me in Toronto for, for quite a bit of time. Uh, her cousin, Timmy, who, who, who just finished college, was stuck in Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, do you want to take, take over from there what happened with the book? <laughs> yeah, sure. So Timmy and I read uh, the manuscript of the Investor's Bible. And in a nicer way, we kind of told my dad that we didn't think it was going to sell very well. Um, <laughs> Just because as younger people that really enjoyed investing and wanted to learn about investing, but sometimes found that investing material could be a little bit dry or intimidating. Uh, we, we didn't think the book was super fun or digestible. And so instead of kind of, as my dad mentioned, Cliff Notes versions of each investor's knowledge and their investing philosophy, um, we actually transformed this investor's Bible and made a second version called the Ten Commandments of Investing. And so essentially the change that happened was instead of having these separate summaries of each investor, we actually kind of looked at all of these investors and wanted to come up with 10 very distinct, actionable guiding principles that they all followed that applied across different asset classes, across different countries, across different times. Um, and so that's how we kind of came up with the Ten Commandments of Investing, were kind of 10 distinct principles that we thought all of these investment wizards followed. Yeah. Um, and so after a few rewrites, we kind of transformed the investor's Bible into 10 commandments of investing. Amazing. It's yeah. Amazing. And, and sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah. Just to add to that, Stephen, uh, with each iteration, we grew more confident. I, I just, I remember when Ear and her younger sisters were young, we, we force fed them, uh, two books. One was, uh, for our work week by Tim Ferriss and, uh, Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad. And so as we did this, we said, well, you know, uh, for, uh, Ferris said to, to really be productive and, and, and don't sell, don't, don't sell your, your job by hours, right? Because that's not scalable. Uh, Kiyosaki taught a lot of things like how to, how to live with passive income, think about assets and liabilities. Um, and I, I wanted actually a book to, to sort of teach general investing regardless of what the strategy your asset class or geography what do the investment wizards all do and as you said the essence is that the, the ten commandments so like universal principles of investing that is applicable to all all, all markets or asset classes so so more guiding principles not ours but really what the the greatest investment wizards have have done and said got it and it's also, so sorry go on another <laughs> thing is that um I also, when I kind of became a co-author of the book, I also really wanted to add more voices from investors of color and female investors. Um, and so we tried to include a lot of, we were able to interview a lot of these investors. Um, and so we tried to include more knowledge from diverse backgrounds as well. And also we wanted to add kind of like fun stories. As my dad mentioned, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a very engaging book. Um, I was able to kind of read it even when I was very young. And so we added a lot of stories in between chapters so that even people like my little sisters could kind of read the book and understand it, um, especially because there's such a big financial literacy gap, especially for young girls. Well said, certainly in society now, it's, it's needed more than ever before. It sounds like a fun family project to a degree. 
Um, who were some of these investing wizards that you were able to draw their wisdom from, including some of the, you said you brought in more diverse uh, wizards and experts. Who, who exactly did you draw the, the knowledge from? Do you want to take that here? Sure. Um, one of my favorite investors in the book, her name is Kathy Xu, and she is she's called the venture capital queen of China, and she was on the cover of Forbes. And so we were actually in the process of writing the book. We did these interviews, and we actually published these interviews um, on our companion website called Wizards Institute as we were kind of writing the book. So it was us learning while we were writing. Um, but we were able to interview her and she's quoted a few times in the book um, and she gave really valuable insights. And so kind of from each of these interviews, we took a few lessons or we took what we thought applied to each commandment and wanted to include that in the book as well. Yeah, we, we uh, there's actually in the English world, certainly there's there's uh, uh, unlimited uh, knowledge, and, uh, whether it's YouTube or in, in, in writing on Western investors. Mm. Uh, but what was interesting was that whether we study investors from China or India or, 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 or Europe, they all more or less followed these 10 commandments. That was just a bit uncanny. They, they may call it something else. They may apply for trading versus, you know, a different asset class, but more or less they, they all follow similar principles. And that was what was so, so exciting about it. And, and, and I think partly, a great part of why the book is successful is we, we were able to capture that essence into really 10 guiding principles and prove that, you know, this is applicable in, in, in many situations, right? And the ear and Timmy kind of, the book is really their voice. A lot of the content is ours and the substance is ours. The book is really their voice. So, and, and their voice is a lot more fun than my voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a good balance of, you know, good, Good reading, stories, anecdotes, examples, uh, interviews, but with, with enough substance that we think that even you, Stephen, uh, uh, an experienced investor, uh, could get something out of it. It does sound pretty interesting. Um, Ia, you mentioned about financial literacy before. Certainly today uh, for the average retail investor, as you know, there's no there's no limit in terms of well, limits, but there's there's more access to investing opportunities, but certainly the ability to gain knowledge and, and understanding about what you're actually investing in seems to be limited at certain uh, points. Do you, is did that sort of influence this book in terms of the, the big financial literacy gap that we're seeing right now among retail investors? Yeah, I think that there is also just a fundamental lack of financial education or even awareness that that's a thing or that's necessary for people just in the education system. Like I've been very lucky to be able to go to several very um, prestigious and wonderful schools, but even in those schools, I haven't, it's never really mentioned. Um, and financial literacy was really only something I was able to learn about through outside reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, the reason I became interested in it mostly was because of financial freedom. And I realized that you didn't have to work um you didn't have to trade your time for money. And so I knew that from a young age, I really wanted to achieve financial freedom, hopefully by my 20s, my late 20s, early 30s, um, or even earlier. And so that was a path that I, I didn't even know existed. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of young people are also not really aware because it's not taught. Like I know for my dad's generation, um, the right path was just to go to, co go to a good college and get a good job. and that meant you were successful, but I think it's being redefined.
financial literacy is needed today for many people. When we return, we'll hear from San and Ia about the 10 commandments of investing, including the importance of diversifying and investing. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, San and Ia, I want to talk a little bit about the 10 commandments of investing. Don't want to disclose all 10 of them, but if there's one or two that really stands out to you, what, what, what would those one or two be? Okay. Um, <laughs> I can start. So I thought well, the first commandment is called know thyself. And it's essentially about how every single person is an investor. And it sounds very basic, but it was kind of, it was interesting to me because, um, even if you if you're not actively investing and if you don't have a stock account or a Robinhood account like I started out with, you're still an investor because you're choosing to put your money into say a savings account that earns one percent versus putting it into the stock market, which could which could earn like seven percent or higher. Um, and so for me, that was when I kind of realized that wherever you put your money, you're making it an investment decision, even if you don't know it. And that's kind of what kickstarted my investment journey. Um, but yeah, commandment one is pretty basic. Know, know thyself. Um, another interesting one that I think maybe my dad can also speak to a little bit more, um, was commandment eight was called diversified just enough. Mm. And this was probably our most controversial commandment when we were writing because we had disagreements among the three co-authors about this commandment. And it's essentially about whether you should, how much you should diversify, for example, in stocks, how many stocks should you have, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, but I think we didn't come to a very clear consensus. We didn't come to a number because I think it depends kind of on your lifestyle and all these, even if you listen to all these different investors, they all say different things. Like my dad at college was taught to diversify a lot more. Um, but for me, as when I started investing, I was a, a high school student. And so I didn't really have time or energy to put that much to, to put that much time or energy into stocks, into researching stocks. And so at the time, my portfolio was only four to five stocks um, because I could only keep up with four to five companies and what was happening with their news and, and their stock. Um, whereas compared to my mom, who is who enjoys trading and she has a lot more time to do so. She probably has 40 to 50 stocks. And so I think this is a pretty controversial one. I don't know, if, Dad, if you want to speak a little bit more to that. Sure. I'll, I'll step back a little bit, Stephen. So, um, yeah, you're right. We don't have time to go through all 10 commandments. But for me, having done so much in my old age, I think I, I not only did I learn a lot about writing a book and working with my daughter and my nephew, but I, I'm actually... Um, um, convinced that the Ten Commandments work. And so um, uh, for investing, not trading, trading is a different animal for investing. So I, I am practicing the Ten Commandments on a daily basis. So as an example, you know, Commandment 1, know thyself, it does sound simple, but 
you know, a lot of people trust financial advisors, third parties, fund managers. What we discover in our research is really those folks are not aligned with your interest. So even for folks that are not interested in, in, in investing, as you said, you need to know something, uh, at, at least directionally. Um, and, and, and so for me, and another, another issue I had as a younger investor, and I think this applies to young men who, who are a bit more egotistical than ladies in general, they, they tend to think they can beat the market. They tend to go and find the sexiest new thing, whether it's Bitcoin or, or, or whatnot, that they probably don't understand, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think what I discovered is it doesn't really matter what you do, Stephen, whether you invested in China stocks or uh, India real estate, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or, 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 or technology. If you actually just follow the Ten Commandments, which is really knowing yourself, doing something that you enjoy, spend time at it, uh, gain what we call independence of the thought, right? Uh, and, and, and having conviction uh, is one of the commitments is about, about seeking religion. Um, and then timing it correctly and then investing and then, and then marathoning the winners. Um, you win. It really doesn't matter. You just, like, I, I, if you have the patience for that, right? So, so it, it sounds really, really simple. It, it, even all Ten Commandments sound really simple, just like the Bible's Ten Commandments sound very simple. Mm. Um, but the difficulty is really following through and having the mindset. So Commandment 10 is mind to mind. Um, most people that pay attention, that have some intelligence and read it and follow the examples will, I think, have this epiphany that the commandments make sense. Not because Sam, Ian, Timmy say it makes sense. It's because this is what Buffett does. This is what Dahlia does. This is what Kathy Shi does. Even Elon Musk follows some similar principles, even though he's not an investor, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, but the hardest part is really not following through and getting, getting diverted to something else. So what we found was that Almost every investment wizard that we interview live have a disciplined system for the mind, right? For Dalil, it's meditation. Uh, you know, for, for Buffett, it might be just a certain process of discipline, reading the papers, going to McDonald's. But everyone has a system of really uh, stepping back and looking at the big picture and process and not be too caught up into the day-to-days of the social media or, or the craziness. And the ones that actually mind the mind and follow these commandments, they, they become wizards. Mm-hmm. So for me, again, this all sounds really simple, right, Stephen? Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for, but I, I didn't practice this when I was younger. And I'm really happy years practicing it uh, because I certainly didn't have that research and education or I was 18. But, I, you know, uh, I, I, it's, it's working out quite well for me in, in the last couple of years of sticking to, to, right, sticking to for example, real estate, mm-hmm. which compared to Bitcoin is not sexy mm-hmm. compared to other but But by sticking to and getting conviction on it, I think I'm doing quite, quite well. And, and really all your audience can do the same. Absolutely. It really shouldn't matter which type of investment as long as you stick to it and you you really uh, gain knowledge about what you're investing in. I think to the commandment that was mentioned about uh, diversifying your portfolio, are we talking about different asset classes? Are we talking about, you know, like big cap and small cap stocks? Are we talking about crypto and real estate? What what exactly did you mean? 
Yeah, so towards the back of the book, we we actually have case studies, myself, Tim, and Ia. So Tim Tim just graduated Columbia, so he's got his first full-time job. Ia is finished high school, and and I'm a retiree. So we gave examples, right? Mm -hmm. And so in terms of you start with objectives. What are your objectives, right? Um, uh, and, and, and kind of what you say, what, what's your risk appetite in terms of constructing your, your portfolio? Um, I'm a little different. I say I'm quite different than most people. Um, um, I am 70% allocated to real estate and specifically to a certain type of U.S. multifamily real estate for for high cash flow deals for for fairly decent risk-adjusted returns for fighting inflation for tax purposes. And then the 20-30% allocation, uh, I have uh, more than most people in crypto and blockchain for a number of years now. And then I've got uh, a a growth portfolio consisting mainly mainly 90% of uh, Elon Musk projects Mm -hmm. like Tesla and SpaceX. Uh, and, and it surprises a lot of people because obviously it's concentrated, but because I've done so much work in each of these buckets, I spent two and a half years, for example, attending Bitcoin and blockchain conferences. I met Vitalik, I met the CEO of Binance. I, I, I've had conversations with them and I haven't met Tesla, but uh, you know, I've done, I could probably talk Tesla to a Tesla analyst <laughs> all day. Uh, and obviously, so I've got so much conviction uh, in these specific picks that I'm actually not at all traditionally uh, uh, diversified, and I'm extremely happy. I'm, I'm very. I, I sleep well. I sleep well at night with with that construction. But it may not work for everybody because I, I I've done the work on it. You know, everybody should have a different uh, portfolio based on their investing needs and the research they do. Absolutely, um, the book mm-hmm. is Ten Commandments of Investing. Definitely. Um, listeners, please check this book out before we end the podcast. I just have one final question and this is the big question, uh, for this, this podcast episode. Um, it's for both of you. Um, if you could meet any fictional character, who would that fictional character be and why? Why does it have to be fictional? Curious. As we think, uh, <laughs> if you want it to be a real person that you've never met, you can okay. certainly switch to that. That's fine. Yeah, do you do you want to go first? I'm still thinking. <laughs> okay, I'll go. I'll I'll go first. And, and this is new. Um, I uh, I recently I I invest in real estate in a in a town in New Jersey called Belleville, New Jersey, near near Newark, in New York. And mm-hmm. I recently learned that this is actually the first. Uh, Chinatown, the East Coast in, in America. So when the Chinese built the railroads to California, Stephen, you may know, right? Uh, uh, the government passed the Chinese Exclusion Act, essentially trying to kick out all the Chinese. And a lot of Chinese couldn't go back to China. And so, and they were not welcome. So Belleville, New Jersey, this little, dinky little town here, uh, had actually welcomed uh, the, the first uh, few hundred Chinese uh, to settle here, which oh. then ceded Newark and in New York and Boston. Um, I recently, I went to an event event um, uh, last Chinese New Year um, that commemorated this this event. Um, and I took my dad and, and, and uh, learned that my dad's grandfather was most likely 
one of the first to come from California to here. Um, but there's no record of it. We just mm. kind of put some a few pieces together. So 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 it's not fictional, but I think it's real. <laughs> uh, so it'd be kind of cool to kind of go back in time to actually find out exactly what happened, because that anyway, it's just. It's, it's not related to investing, but it's something that kind of came up recently that I thought was uh, a surprise to me, but, but uh, that we're, our family goes back so far back into U.S. history. Well, yeah. I hope you find uh, more evidence <laughs> of that. That would be great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so mine would actually be James Baldwin, who was an American novelist, and um, I, I've always really liked to read, and I, the most recent book I read of his was No Name in the Street, and it's kind of like a memoir of the 60s and the 70s and a lot of the racial turmoil and tensions that, that happened during that time. Um, and I, I recommend the book to everyone. It's a really good read. But I would love to just talk to him and kind of glean some wisdom from him. Thank you again to San and Ia Ng for sharing your insights on investing. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.